1: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
2: You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. If you want to get in touch with us, I'll just remind you of the numbers. oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. 1800 By WhatsApp or text, you can call in on 1850 715 958. Now, cycling's in the news. I was watching uh, RTE over the bank holiday weekend and I saw Minister Shane Ross on talking about bringing in new laws that would affect cyclists or protect cyclists. And you know the advertising campaign that's on the TV at the moment, you can't have missed it. You know, leaving a metre, 1.5 metre space between cars and lorries and cyclists on the road all very welcome. But a man locally has decided after years to get back on his bike and go out on the streets of the northeastern roads and he's reporting on his experience today on Drahada Life. He is the founder, MD, marketing manager, HR manager, you name it of Drahada Life. Andy Spearman, good afternoon. Hi Jerry, how are you? I'm very good, thanks for joining me on the show. I have to say Andy, really enjoyed your piece on Drogheda Life. i glad uh, to hear uh, Thank you very much and and thanks for joining us today because it really does bring it all home. Well, let's start, begin at the beginning. You, you were a, a cyclist in your younger years. Uh,
3: only because, uh, well how I got into cycling was, I was at school in Dublin, well I lived in Dublin, and uh, my mother would give me the bus fare and being the miser that I was, I preferred to cycle and pocket the money <laughs> that's love how I got into cycling
2: that's but like a lot of people and myself included Andy I remember when I was a young fellow growing up and even when I started to work I was commuting to Dublin from Drogheda I used to cycle from home on the north side of Drogheda to the railway station and the reverse in the evenings when I got home from work the bike was yeah. part and parcel of what I, I was like you too
3: absolutely yeah I cycled everywhere but um, things have changed in the meantime though Yes, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's age, probably.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look at and the age is one thing, but I have to be yeah. honest with you. I have a rusty steed myself, but I yeah. I never really use it. But you decided after nearly nearly half a century. I, I can give that away, can I? That
3: Absolutely, yeah. It's probably forty-eight or forty-nine years somewhere
2: around that. Okay, so you 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 got back on the bike. Was it because of of what I said earlier on there that it's in the news at the moment, or, or why did you do it?
3: Absolutely not to do with news. It was just because I am trying to get fit, a little bit fit, and lose some weight. Uh, I had an operation. I had my knee replaced two years ago, and I really haven't got back into walking. It's painful because of the the, the impact on the on the joints. Mm. So um thought cycling is the thing for me. And it was it's brilliant. But the roads in Drogheda, I'm okay, Drogheda is a very hilly town so it's not conducive to um pain free cycling, but wow the the surface on the roads and the speed of the cars is just
2: unbelievable. Let's start with the surfaces because out right. you go, you've got all the gear, you've your helmet, you've your high-vis vest, you're mm. kitted out, you follow to the letter of the law as you should be attired cycling today. Uh, are, are, the, are the surfaces really that bad, Andy?
3: Absolutely. I challenge anyone to go and cycle, just choose almost any road in Toronto. They've been dug up so many times for, I don't know, for broadband, for water, for electric, for the whole lot. And they've never really been reinstated. So that you don't really notice it on a car, and I've been driving a car or a van around Drahda for a lot of number of years now, but my God, it is. It's literally
2: bone shaking. You 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 could uh, pick up punctures. I take it easy enough. There's there's wee holes everywhere. There's bumps. You name it. So uncomfortable. Yeah. The surfaces are poor. That's the first thing you want to say. And for somebody who has joints that are in repair, that wouldn't be the best for sure. Now, yeah. what about the, the the traffic itself? Let's talk about first of all cars.
3: Cars. Um. Well, I I don't know. It's, I, it's, Just cycling along, they seem to have gone past you so quickly. And before you've almost seen them, Um, they seem to be be really much bigger these days. I don't know if you found that, but um, the combination of the speed, bad roads, narrow roads. And there just isn't room for cyclists, it seems.
2: The cars are bigger, Andy, because you see an awful lot of people have gone for SUVs, so that mm-hmm. is a fact. You can see that that's mm-hmm. a, a big sector of of the market now. Here and and did you feel at times that y- you were dicing with debt, maybe, or you might have been brushed closely by vehicles? Did it come that close at times?
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one particular day, and I've, I, mean, as I say I've only been back cycling a few weeks, and I'm a very much a fair weather cyclist, but uh, a couple of days ago, we were down gone down past Donors Green. I thought I was going to be knocked over the hedge. Really? So I've decided to give up cycling in the town. And that's why I'm really, really in favour of this Greenway and the, the extension as far up the river as it can go.
2: mm Okay, so Donors Green is on the way out of Drahada towards the Baltray, and yes, the, uh, of, of the, uh, the the town. Just to give the geography there, but that road, are we mentioned down there? And I know you've cycled out of town as well as been in town to the mm. surrounding areas. Talk to me about lorries and heavy goods vehicles. What's your experience there?
3: Well, I, I can't think of really the worst to say but it's it's you're very vulnerable you're just you your bicycle you've got your high vis and your helmet but that's not going to do you much good if you get hit by or blown away by a 40 ton truck and even the wind from a truck is enough to, <laughs> to destabilise yes. a cyclist you know and really I'm a I'm a convert to this cause but um, I didn't realise how really tough it is to be a cyclist and I'm only cycling because I want to. Yeah. Most people have to do it as their transport.
2: Mm. You say, and I quote you here: "You say um, about the trucks. I haven't been so scared since the time I was in a village in South Sudan during yeah. a bombing raid, Andy." That's right. Yeah. You actually felt like that.
3: Absolutely, I was. Well, it was a totally different um, mm. sensation. But um, I thought I was close to that, for sure.
2: Now you mentioned there that you've decided really in a way to give up on cycling round the urban area the town yeah. the, the the central part that's quite busy in that as well. So so where can you or will you cycle now?
3: Well a couple of days ago I I brought the bike out to Oldbridge House and parked up there cycled back in along the ramparts which is still being it's going to be resurfaced soon hopefully but there's no traffic. And that's what I love about it. Just I cycle into town, back to the Bridge of Peace, and back out to Allbridge. That's a nice run. There's not too many hills. There's no hills, in fact, and um, there's no traffic. So you felt safe with traffic.
2: Yeah, you you actually felt safe. But the reason you were safe is that is a dedicated walkers' uh, yes, route, I mean, so it is, and I and it's for cyclists as well. But be, it, it's as simple as this: no cars, no trucks, no traffic. Safety. Yeah,
3: absolutely, yeah. I mean in fact, I mean there's one it was the Bank Holiday Monday that I went out and there was a lot of people, families and going for a walk with buggies and little kids on mm. their little bikes as well. And so I felt like at times it's probably an unusual circumstance it being a busy so busy on the Bank Holiday Monday, that at times I was Endangering other people
2: <laughs> who are walking. I understand. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah, I have a nice little pink, a little bell on my or So I was ringing away as I went up
2: the. the um Mm. is it the, the Greenway or the the Boyne Trail? I think it's Orange called Trail, you know yeah, yeah from, 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 it's from and, and of course you do and you alluded to it a second ago there are plans to have the Greenway run from yeah. Mornington right up and ultimately yeah, up uh, to Slane yeah. and beyond but uh, there's quite a lot of submissions as you know over two and a half thousand submissions have been made yeah. to Mead County Council and there still is a glitch there that needs to be sorted out Andy I was just talking to Paddy Mead actually on the way okay. in to sit into yeah. the seat today to do the show and Paddy was just in chit-chat and I'm not giving anything away here he says all in favour of it there is a sm- an issue on the Mornington side that just needs yeah, to be resolved that, that, yeah, yeah, you know you know about this and if it's resolved and there is compromise this will happen are you calling today for compromise? Well
3: not today I mean I think you have to take the overall idea is brilliant gets people out into the air a space that they can walk cycle mm. whatever in safety Mm-hmm uh, we'll finding get... the correct route is the is the issue. And that must be possible. We can't let the thing be discovered by Yeah. No, oh we've yeah. got a problem we
2: And the whole thing has to go. Yes. It's not on, I'm with you on that, and I say here, here to that. It needs to, heads need to be knocked together, uh, a compromise, a resolution made in this to happen, because what a beautiful way that would be from on the coast at Mornington, right up through the historic Drogheda, out to Oldbridge, up to Slane, and beyond, please God, someday. Past New
3: Grange. Yeah. It's a
2: fabulous aspect up there. It's just one of the most beautiful sights I've ever known. Yeah. And people would be safe. listen to this, Andy. Keep your comments coming to us you're listening to what we're saying today. you're listening to Andy Spearman from Draw Hunter Life telling us about his experience since he got back on his bike and it's a frightening experience he's had uh, with motorists and with trucks as well on the roads and with the bad surfaces. If you have anything to say, please do comment. come on to us here. let us know what you're thinking oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight WhatsApp. Text or you can call in an eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight, and it doesn't just apply. Let me say this is universal. This application of this problem to Navin, Kells, Trim, Dock, you name it. Rd. I'm sure the the same issues arise in all the the main uh, urban areas around the northeast. This. Listen to this, Andy. What about all the cyclists on the footpaths, Jerry and Draha? I'm talking about Windmill Road, Georgia Street. The downhill, they'd actually knock you down, says Anne. Now that, that that's, that's that's another issue, Andy, and and one that cyclists need to be cognisant of.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I hold my hands up. I try to do it without dropping the phone. Um, I have cycled on the footpath in Dhrada, like specifically um, past the um, Ronald McDonald on yes, the bypass yes. there, mm. because it's just too dangerous to cycle on the on the on the roadway. Mm. And I'm obviously aware, safety conscious, and I'd be aware of. I would stop and let pedestrians Yes. I, But, uh, yeah, I'm very much aware of that. I mean, that the whole thing is we need separate areas for cars and people. Yeah. Whether they're on bikes or walking. mm
2: yeah, absolutely. And you know, cyclists have to uh, show respect as well. Uh, you're dead right there and and Andy agrees with you. sure He said to us a few moments ago, he was he was aware on Bank Holiday Monday that he was the danger potentially uh, to people walking uh, that Boeing trail. So the message is you're back in the bike, you're exercising, you want to do this, but it's a challenge. It's a big challenge in the urban uh yeah, environs of Drogheda Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, no, 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 I'd
3: welcome anybody that can suggest any routes that are safe possibly that, in my case flat yes I think I'll start a downhill cycling club <laughs>
2: No need Andy That's a good call there Yeah, if you're listening to us today And there's a safe area for cycling in the northeast, Please do let us know And we'd be delighted to highlight it But it is a huge challenge uh, for our planners For government, local and national To make this happen Safer cycling ways Safe pedestrian ways as well as accommodating traffic I know that have to move in cars and lorries god andy i 'll have to give it a go myself uh, but i 'm now I'm a little sure. bit i 'm a little bit nervous after you tell me um, of your experiences uh, we we'll,
3: we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through it
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get t- we'll get a tandem <laughs> Andy thank- <laughs> perish the thought thank you so much for joining us today yeah, Andy it's been a pleasure. Appreciate Take it. Care. Take care. That's Thank Andy you. Spearman there from Draw, Draw com. Check it out. He's a very it's a very humorous and interesting but serious article at the same time. Listen to this, it's just come to us. It can be scary for motorists as well, Jerry Driving round a corner on a road, you suddenly meet cyclists two or three abreast. They have to be aware of safety too. And we do say that, of course. It, 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 safety should be uh, the, in, to the forefront of people's minds when you use the road. If you're a pedestrian, a cyclist, a motorist or a heavy goods or vehicle driver, we all need to show more respect to each other. Uh, but... There's certainly a need, isn't there, Louise? Like I know abroad, if, if you, one country just comes to mind, Holland, the Dutch, they're great, they're
4: for, the yeah, they're great for the bikes. They're always
2: cycling. They're great for the bikes. They really. I was in Finland a few years back in Helsinki. You want to see the cycling in Helsinki as well, but Louise, there are dedicated cycleways.
4: Yeah, here you just have to say there are some cycle cycle lanes, and then mm. they just end. They but, just end, and then you're back on the road what, again. What do you
2: do exactly? Uh, what about and you I know hubs. I know your family are into the bike, and you love going for treks and days out on the bikes as yeah. well But and we've done a- the
4: Greenway we've done the Greenway in Carlingford and we've done the Greenway um, down in Mayo and it's yeah. a fantastic day out Lovely. you meet so many people and it's safe
2: that's the thing for children. I often. Off the beaten track. Like. Yeah, I, I see people as well. Do you remember years ago on bikes? Like, I. Bicycles is the way we got about. It. We had no family car in our family. It was bicycles. We didn't and, neither. And, you didn't either. And your bike was the way of getting around. But do you remember you'd I'd be, get a carrier on the back of the bike? Yeah. On yeah. so, the high Nelly. Yeah, you'd see. And you know, I often see people, you know, with children's seats on the back of bikes today mm. and that as well. And they do have the little helmets and protective gear on them. But I just be really concerned it, it is a battle zone out there I, that's the best I can say it really is it's dangerous it really is you
4: have the cars coming up say behind the corners or whatever but you've also the potholes yeah. you're flying around you come across the pothole and there's a car about to overtake you you've nowhere to go
2: yes we have a suggestion for Andy. Andy, Betty's turn. Beach is flat. It's great <laughs> for cycling when the tide is out, of course. <laughs> on the Not hard the sand. sand. There you are, Andy. You're listening in still. There's a recommendation for you. Uh, another one coming from RD today. Thank you indeed for your comment. Cyclists, Jerry, on the footpaths in RD would run you over. No bells on the bikes at all. Is there the bells
4: idea. anymore on bikes? Oh, I think so. Is there? I, 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 I used to have the old I used to actually have a, like a, a black kind of a like a horn that used to have. Yes.
2: I remember that as well. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. make like a sound. That's a good question because you know, maybe not, maybe they don't come. You have to buy them, you know, as an yeah. add on. A bell is a nice thing to have to uh, to alert people. You or know? a basket. Yeah, yeah, baskets are from yesterday. I don't think many bikes you have to get a basket added, don't you if you, if you want a basket on a bike today. And remember
4: that? And it's funny because, as Andy's pointed out, like the cars, and you you said yourself, the cars are getting bigger and mm. more robust and mm. safer, all more protective. Yeah, and the bikes are getting lighter. Yeah, and smaller to to be easy to cycle yes, and lift
2: m- more aerodynamic. So there's no
4: armored bikes like.
2: I think I mentioned this before on the show, but my, my my late father told me years ago, we lived on the North Road and it must be outskirts of Drada at one stage. That was it. When you reached the Gaelic grounds, there was no more spattering of houses. Look at it today. Um, but there was a gentleman lived there and he had a business in Dundalk, in Glenblastle Street, I'm sure, and he lived in Drada. But many moons ago, he cycled to Dundalk and back every day. And you can imagine the bikes then, and the roads, because it wasn't. You have a motorway now. You had a previous M1. It was the roadway before that, even, which was nearly a carriage route. If you get me drift, uh, you them down wasn't that incredible. In to think all that somebody, yeah, would 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 do that back in the day. They had to, Jerry. Yeah, and I know there are people. There are people that cycle to work today. Of course, they do, and fair dues to them, but. We need more protection. The campaign that's on television does raise awareness, that's for sure. But oh, uh, look, that article of Andy's just got us thinking today and we just wanted to mention it and talk about it and perhaps it will just jog people, you know, safety awareness, all road users to show respect and take care. Keep coming to us with the comments. Love them. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text or again you can call if you want. Now 1850
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. No deposit and low APR same-day finance approval available. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk.
2: No need to remind you if you've been listening to the bangers these last few evenings that tomorrow is Halloween and it's all about witches, ghosts and ghouls. But there's a different type of party going on in Navin tomorrow and we're going to hear about it now because I'm joined on late lunch by Father Shane Crombie. Father Shane, afternoon.
5: Jerry, nice to speak to you hello to all your listeners as well
2: Welcome to the show, great to talk to you And before we Thank begin, you. you have a little bit of a background I believe in radio yourself
5: Well, I, for the last couple of years when I was in my previous parish in Tullamore and County Offaly I was involved in Midlands 103 and used to do a little bit of work down there So it's really nice to be back on the radio again, first time in a couple of months
2: <laughs> Great to have you with us Tell Thank us you. about this Halloween party with a difference in Navin Halloween party
5: with a difference. Well, it's something that I, have it's relatively new to me because for the last couple of years in this parish here in Navan and County Meath, there's been a party for children, especially for children, on Halloween. But as you said, it's with a bit of a difference. Instead of focusing on the ghouls and the goblins and the horrible, scary stuff, we look at some of the heroes in the Christian tradition. So we invite children to come along as dressed up as their favourite saints. So you'll have St. Patrick and you'll have Mother Teresa and you'll have God knows who wandering around the place tomorrow as opposed to witches and warlocks and all that kind of stuff.
2: People will say, uh, Shane, that it's uh, a day early, really. Well,
5: I suppose Halloween itself, the name Halloween is actually mean. It comes from the old English words, hallow, which means holy, like the Our Father, hallowed be thy name, and ean, which means evening. So it's the, it's the vigil, if you like. It's like the Christmas Eve of the Feast of All Saints, which you rightly point out, is the 1st of November. So 1st of November is the celebration of all the saints. So we just said, look it, let's have a little party on the day that everybody else is dressing up. We'll do it just slightly differently.
2: Well, it is different, and it, it got me. Even though it's running for a couple of years, uh, I, this is the first I've really focused on it, and and I wanted to have a chat about it today. Yeah. This is popular because I, I believe last year uh, there was a big crowd attended, and you're expecting how many tomorrow? Well, uh, suppose
5: last year there was about fifty kids, so I'd say we'll probably have a few more
2: last, uh, a few
5: more uh, this year. Uh, one thing I would say in, 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 again, when I was in Tullamore. Uh, some parents were talking about the fact that lots of the little kids especially were getting scared a little bit of kind of all the like so when you're an older child no bother at all because the small ones are kind of getting scared of all the ghouls and goblins so we kind of put on a party for them on that day as well just to make it a little bit more how should we say brighter than maybe the other, the other celebrations so look at it remains to be seen how many are going to come tomorrow but I think a good day a good afternoon is going to be had by all and there's going to be games and party party tricks and all the the, the Halloween stuff that okay. we all associate was going to be there as well
2: okay so Halloween is happening it's just that the attire is celebrating as you say, the heroes of Christianity and the Church. I believe you have a great woman there. I know her, of course. Louise Dunleavy. But her children, listen to this, she is five and they're dressing up as St John Vianney, St Therese, very popular, I believe. John the Baptist, St Louis and St Clair. God, there's a hell of a selection there. There is a
5: hell of a selection. Well, there's a great photograph going around the... around Catholic it's in... uh... Twitter these days of a little kid in a party in America because these are very, very popular in American parishes for kids to dress up but there's one I think of Saint Denis another French you mentioned all those French saints another saint called Saint Denis who, who was the patron saint of Paris and he was a bishop way back in the, the beginning of the, the church there and he was he was decapitated, so there's a little kid going around with a head under his arm. It looks very it looks very, very good. Ingenuity went into that one, I think.
2: And if you want to go as Mother Therese or a saint as she is now, I think that's the easiest outfit to conjure up.
5: Well, a, a she's in a tea towel and you'd
2: be kind of You're too. there, you're in, you have it all done. Anyway, it starts at half past three tomorrow. Well, gathering at half gathering half at three. Th- three, th- three th- thirty. Th- Where's that? Yeah.
5: In the the community centre there in the in the grounds of St Mary's Church in Naples. so gathering okay. there around that time, gather together. Then we'll have our kind of our holy parade. We're going to we're going to walk through the to the grounds of the church, and then we're going to go into the church and we're going to have uh, the first mass for the feast of All Saints, which will be a children's mass That's at four o'clock. Then back to the community centre for all the games and nice things and treats and everything that that we all love at Halloween.
2: Well, Enjoy good it. on you, yeah. Father Shane. It's something different for sure. We wish you all well. Have a great day tomorrow. And thank you for taking our call this afternoon. I you, Jerry. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Father Shane Crombie there uh, from Navin. Who would you dress up as Louise? Who would be your... Or do you have a preferred saint? saint? Yes.
4: Oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot then. St.
2: Saint Louise?
4: St. Saint Louis. I don't oh. know about Louise. Okay. Would you, would you, St. Gerard?
2: Yeah, sure. What could well, I she do? You are a
4: saint anyway, really, aren't you?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely not. For this it. You'd say Well, I'd give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even without the collar. <laughs> Blasphemy, I hear them say. Anyway, Lady Ludgelham FM Radio. There's only one way to head towards news at two. Paddy Casey, you know what
0: we're talking about the late lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on one-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
2: Cup Final fever is happening here on LMFM Radio as we build up to Dundalk's Extra.ie FAI Cup Final clash with Shamrock Rovers at the Aviva Stadium on Sunday. And to celebrate Dundalk's return to the Aviva for the final, we've partnered with Cup Final sponsors Extra.ie and our friends at Matthews.ie to offer you the chance to be there to roar on the Lilywhites. We're taking a busload of loyal listeners to the Aviva to watch Dundalk bid to complete the domestic treble. For a chance to win, listen out this week for this sound Come on, the town. When you hear that played on late lunch in the next while, text or WhatsApp us your name and details to 86 That's 86 And we'll be in touch before the end of the week if you're one of the chosen ones. And that's all with thanks to Matthews.ie and the FAI Cup final title sponsor, Extra.ie. Check it out online today. Now... Journalist, author, photographer, and it's the latter that propelled Anthony Murphy into the international news feeds back in the long, hot summer of 2018. The story of Anthony's discoveries in the Boyne Valley are now in print in a brilliant new book called Drone Henge, and the man himself is in the hot seat on late lunch today, Anthony Murphy. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Cherry. Thank you for joining me again. (laughs) But hey, this is the biggest again I think I've ever had with you over the years. Take us back to this fateful day, the 10th of July 2018. You'd been on holidays
6: yeah I, I I had been on holidays to Spain with the family uh, I ironically during a hot dry spell <laughs> in Ireland we needn't have left home you know we went for the sun and it was sunny here um, yeah and I just returned and was come back to work and you know the usual you know commute to Dublin to go to the job and all the rest you know
2: And you are looking forward to seeing people again saying hello, sporting your lovely tans and then you notice everyone else in the office has as good a tan or maybe even better because of the weather (laughs) you mentioned here, but that's a side story. Look, you go to work, you punch in your day and you come home and... What puts it in your mind? You say that day I was reading in the book, you felt there was something different about you. Or... Yeah, I I was excitable all day at work. I was kind of
6: giddy, you know. I had flown my drone the previous evening at Brunabonia um, to have a look at Geraldine and Matthew Stout's excavation trench, you know, and get a picture of that. I was out the there, trench. you know that. That's, That's right. right, yeah. yeah. And uh, there was something in the back of my mind saying, look, go out there because with the drought, there might be features in the landscape that we haven't seen before. And Steve Davis of UCD, the archaeologist, said to me, you know, Site P, which is one of the hinges, it, it should look different than it's ever looked before, you know. And and I had this sort of anxiety or anxiousness to fly. You know, I wanted to go back out again, even though I'd been out the previous evening. Um, I I can't explain it any more than that, other than I rushed home from work, gobbled down my dinner and grabbed the drone and the youngest of my kids, Finn, he, he came out with me and sped out there, well, within limits.
2: <laughs> within the speed limit. And, and, and you do describe, you met Claire Toffee, who's, that was another ironic meeting because of yeah. Claire's association with Newgrange and the Boyne Valley.
6: Yeah, and Claire pulled up at the side of the road and we had a brief chat and she was going home for our tea and I said, well, sure, look, I'm going to fly the drone. Sure, you never know what, you'll see, you know. And she told me she'd been up at Newgrange with Ken Williams another drahada photographer long time friend of mine and that he had been up at the monument taking pictures and so claire disappeared and then just as i was launching the drone ken arrived on the scene you know and ken said oh i think i'll fly my drone you know and thus began the most exciting half hour or one of the most exciting half hours of my existence i on just this
2: wonder were the ancient spirits at work here in the way you describe it in the book make up your own mind on that one but you fly the drones right and uh, you're looking at what's coming through tell me about the first image you see and how that excites you uh well the first flight
6: of the evening i flew exactly as i had been recommended down to site p and um site p looked uh, exactly like Steve had said like, like nothing we'd seen before all the grass was parched and there were bright markings and there were dark markings and the bright markings generally indicate that there's stone underneath uh, the The soil is shallow and the darker ones generally indicate deeper soil or soil that's been dug out at some time in the past and I was looking at this and I was saying wow this is incredible you know and to be honest Jerry, if that's the only thing I had imaged that evening that would have been exciting you know but sure, of course, it got a lot more exciting than that. <laughs> that was only the
2: start of it. Uh, go on, go on. It, it, how it unfolded?
6: Well, you see, I finished the first flight. Um, generally, you get about 12 to 15 minutes off the battery. Depends on what drone you're flying. When the battery starts to, to get low, you have to, you have to land for safety reasons. And I had done my orbit of site P and had taken all the pictures, and I thought, well, that's that, you know. But something pro- 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 propelled me or prompted me to bring the thing back into the air again on a new battery, and and I went back down to site P, and this time, in the field next to it, I spotted something, and and it immediately jumped out at me. It was like huge circular impression in the crops, you know. And for a second, for a few seconds. I I was trying to rationalise what I was seeing. I thought maybe a circus big top had been down there.
2: I laughed as I read that. I actually laughed and and I could see because you doubt yourself. You doubt what you're actually seeing. You said, was there a circus in this field? Or maybe a tractor, you know. You were trying to actually convince yourself
6: it wasn't. Because of the unusual nature of what was there. There There were what I can describe as a huge circular feature, but individual... Uh, aspects of that were these double sort of dash marks, like equal signs Mm. forming a circle where where I thought maybe a tractor had gone round and revved up its wheels at regular intervals to to create ruts in the ground. But of course when I flew closer I could see it was a crop it wasn't, you know, muck and soil you know, this was a crop. And and then after 15 or 20 seconds you're into the zone of this is (laughs) archaeology, you know and if this is archaeology this is bloody huge, you Mm -hmm. know and 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 still i mean to this day this is what 15 or 16 months later i still have to pinch myself about this whole thing it's it's so enormous I mean, this, so what we're talking about for the, for the public who who don't know this is what we believe is the footprint of a type of monument called a henge a giant uh structure measuring more than 500 feet in diameter uh, which had basically vanished from the surface of the earth at some point in the distant past and presented itself again during the
2: drought. It's remarkable. It really is. And and the purpose of a henge was what? Oh, Sherlock, we don't really know.
6: I mean, um, uh, obviously this year I've been busy reading as many archaeological publications about henges as possible. Uh, The general feeling is that they are assembly sites. Mm. There are places where some sort of Crowd is involved. Yeah. Um, we could speculate as to what exactly took place in the middle. Um, won't give too much away, I suppose. I don't want people to read the book. And, yeah, and, it's and, in there. I mean, yeah, what we're talking about is uh, a, a Neolithic arena of sorts. Yeah, yeah. A place where something happened in the interior, yeah.
2: watched perhaps by yeah. several hundred, if not a couple of thousand people. people. And, and uh, is it tied in with New Grains, that same time frame that era that it, 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 same era not exactly the same
6: time frame so this would be without excavation of course we don't know exactly mm. but we assume it's what we call a late Neolithic structure and there are a lot of late Neolithic Neolithic even structures on the floodplain of the Boyne several of which were discovered by myself and Ken. A drone henge, of course, gets all of the attention because of the uniformity of it and the the circular nature and the pattern of it. Um, we're talking probably in the time frame between four and a half thousand and four thousand nine
2: hundred years ago, which would be a few centuries after the passage tomb phase. Mm so and here 's the thing, and, and your second chapter I was as I started into the book at this just well, you 've titled the, the chapters i 'd say brilliantly as well, because they really pick out the essence of the story as it moves on of drought and drones, and that is a fact the drought was unprecedented in two thousand and eighteen.
6: Yeah, I mean, you have to go back to 1976 Mm. to see something similar. But Mm. the 76 drought was later in the summer. Right. uh, I think July, August sort of time, when a lot of the crops might have been harvested, you see. So the timing was perfect on this one. I mean, I know there were drought conditions in 1995, I think, but they weren't nearly as severe. I mean, this was, we hadn't seen, I think uh, it's in the book, there hadn't been rain in the Boyne Valley since late April Mm. and so this is the 10th of July Mm. so two and a half months without a drop of rain everything was
2: parched everything was
6: struggling for moisture you
2: know and the Technology. You talk of about course. 76. Yeah. You talk about your wonderful drones that you have now. Modern technology married with an unprecedented drought.
6: Yeah, I mean, the drones are a cheap way of getting in the air. Now, I say cheap, you can buy a new drone for maybe a thousand or two thousand euros. You can get them second hand for a few hundred. They're a cheap way of getting in the air compared to having to hire an airplane and pay for fuel and, um, and a pilot and all the rest which is the way it used to be done so we had pioneering aerial archaeologists in previous generations the likes of the late Leo Swan and uh, Dr Gillian Barrett who's mentioned in the book people who, who who did that went up in planes and took pictures Leo Swan took lots of flights over the Boyne Valley I've seen lots of his pictures He he seems to have just been unlucky it just wasn't visible when he flew over you mm-hmm. know the drone I mean they're all over the place now you see them Regularly, everybody's buying a drone these days. But they're particularly useful for people in our field, myself and Ken, people who take pictures of monuments because these monuments are huge structures and they look great from the
2: air, you know? You thought about sitting on the news. Now, come on, Anthony, journalists (laughs) extraordinaire, you know, today sitting on things really ain't an option. You had to let it go pretty quickly. Yeah. Well,
6: didn't one you? of the problems was that um, I knew the landowner David Redhouse um, of Newgrange Farm very well, and uh, I was trying to contact David to let him know what had happened, but I couldn't get an answer, and I was anxious about that because I, mm. I didn't want you it's know. His lands. Yeah, exactly. Um, as it happens, uh, I, I got in touch with him later in the evening and found out he was out of the country. But myself and Ken uh, were sitting debating about this, and Ken said, "Look, someone else could come along with a drone." tomorrow morning and see this and you know and i said look the big mantra in newspaper journalism is if you have a big story do not sit on it because it will blow up in your face and you'll see it somewhere else tomorrow morning and so on that basis we felt we had to release the images out to the
2: public and what happened was (sighs) simply unprecedented you became a huge international news story overnight. Now, hold that there, because we have to pay a bill here. We're heading to a break. Anthony's staying with us. I might have just have a copy of a book to give away from you. Anthony Murphy's with us. Drone Henge is the name of the book. The story behind the remarkable discovery at Newgrange. And just before I forget, it's launching this evening That's in right, the Highlands Gallery yes. at half past
6: seven. Yeah. And everybody welcome. Though this is an open launch, anybody wants to come along. Please. You should get along.
2: It. If you have nothing planned for this evening, if you have something planned and can change it, get along to the High Lanes this evening because there's a brilliant MC there as well. I can tell you that. His name is Paul Murphy. <laughs> You're getting two for the price of one. Anyway, may I read a little excerpt... Of your mind from this wonderful book? Let me just read these few lines to you. And this is Anthony writing in the book. One of the calls I had received in the morning time... This was the morning after the night of the discovery... ...when Anthony m- issued the press release to say... ...was from Sinead Brazel of LMFM Radio... ...who is working on the Late launch Show... ...which is hosted by Jerry Kelly. Shortly after leaving home to drive to UCD... ...I rang Sinead to let her know... ...that I couldn't come to studio... As planned, Sinead suggested we do an interview on the phone. Just after I emerged from the poor tunnel, we nearly bloody missed him. The phone rang. It was LMFM and Sinead. I found a place to pull in the car. Late lunch host Jerry Kelly spoke to me about how he'd been to Newgrange Farm on the day before at the dig with the stouts. That's Geraldine and Matthew. And lightning doesn't strike twice, or does it in, uh, in italics here in the book? Well, it certainly did. We were the first, weren't it? Well, we?
6: We were the first you spoke hats to. Hats off, Jerry. Early in the morning of Wednesday the 11th, Uh, Ruth O'Connell got in touch with me to say she'd seen my uh, social media post and wanted to do something about the story. So ye were first out of the traps and thus began the craziest three weeks of my life. I'm not joking you. For three solid weeks, all I had time to do was work. And talk to the media i couldn 't do anything else. I barely got time to fly the drone at all i couldn 't I was practically divorced from the family for three weeks. They felt like it was a complete stranger to them. I mean it went or to e that day right then it went to the BBC, then it went to Europe, and by Friday, the American networks had picked up on it and I thought after Friday, you know things will calm down and the following Monday, the Douth Hall. Uh, passage tomb revelations were made and I thought definitely the story's going to calm down now but it had a resurgence and for three weeks between between media I mean news media, online media TV and then blog sites and obscure media like magazines I'd never heard of I mean foreign publications French, French South African I was on Japanese TV you know and I just thought goodness me What would have happened if, you know, I hadn't rushed out with the drone Tuesday evening Mm. and I just decided to sit watching TV? (laughs) Uh, Anthony, we all
2: ask those questions (laughs) at times, but, you know, that's history at this stage. You were the victim of your own success, let me say. Here's the thing. You met also one of your childhood heroes, uh, a man who's well known in this field on British television, Tony Robinson.
6: Yeah. Who people might know as Baldrick from Blackadder. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I had watched. Um, my wife will tell you, I, and I still watch black episodes of Blackadder, uh, and really, really loved it. Um, and I've I I got a cunning plan and all that. And then you see, Tony Robinson was the host of um, Time Team which was the archaeology programme, yes. which is a brilliant, brilliant programme. Well, I really loved it. Some people some people weren't that fond of it. I, I, I really loved it. And so I got an email from uh, Windfall Productions, who were making this show for Channel 4, which is called Hidden Britain by Drone. And they said, look, because of the exceptional nature of your find, we're going to leave Britain to come to Ireland to have a look at yours. And thus... Uh, Began that little adventure where I went to London for a day of filming with Tony Robinson, one of my heroes. Got a an autograph and a a selfie, a picture with him. Got to spend time chatting with him. That was brilliant, you know. I
2: really believe the spirits of the Boyne Valley have been with you on this journey and made that happen as well. Here's questions I'm sure you've been asked on many occasions. You have said, and and we do realise, with the technology and the drought, the ultra-drought conditions all coming together made this happen. But it's curious that there was nothing known of this previously.
6: Yeah, I think that's a mix of of fortune and the technology. I I mean, I, I wonder, and I've said this in the book, I wonder, you see, you know, Dronehenge reappeared this spring. Uh, in, in March of this year in a in a crop of winter barley so it's not necessarily the drought it may have been visible at other times in the past but and I missed, asked the question how many people have flown over the Boyne Valley on their approach to Dublin Airport and seen this thing in a field and, and not paid any odds to it because they thought it was something that was look people see circles in fields there are tens of thousands of ring forts in Ireland and don't pay any attention to them. Perhaps it has been seen in the past and just missed, as it were, you know. So I think definitely the drone helps. The drone flies between the ground and 120 metres. You can't go higher than 400 feet. It's in an area where planes generally don't fly in. Even small aircraft, they generally fly at about 1,000 feet above the ground, 1,500. Might be just high enough to miss it. And of course, if a pilot's concentrating on what he or she is doing, they mightn't be looking too much at what's on the ground. Yes, you know yes. so I think it was visible in the past but it was
2: missed you and know? the other thing people are wondering well will we ever see a day when they go in and dig but there's a queue if that's fair to say in the well, Boyne Valley well
7: one
6: of the issues around digging is first of all there's 130 plus prehistoric monuments in the bend of the Boyne mm. uh, only a couple of dozen of those have been excavated uh, and the majority of those are the complex at Nouth, uh, Nouth and its satellites you know there, I think there are 18 satellites there there are as many as a dozen hinges in the Boyne Valley. The only one that ever got any excavation was at Monk Newtown. And that was because there was a building being being been done and it was a rescue excavation. So, yeah, uh, if there are a dozen of them, well, where do you start, you know? Um, and the other thing, of course, is a lot of the monuments are on private farmland Absolutely. and active farms. You know? And
2: what what do you do about that? Not straightforward at all. Um, when you, when, you, when you reflect how many did you say 18 months are we on or whatever distance you, in, in, in months and time you, you said there earlier do you feel like you're, you're light, you've done an awful lot of work let me say we, we've spoken to you previously and, yeah. and your website is Mythical Ireland you're big time into this oh yeah but obsessed, <laughs> you, know, you could say. Well, yeah. no, no. I think a passion is. <laughs> it, it would be better to describe it. But you know, at times you do need that just little touch or rub of the green, if we, if we like to call it an Irish thing. Do you believe you got that? That that was just meant there, for you.
6: There is something, to me anyway. I feel that there are sort of exceptional circumstances around the find, and and it's very serendipitous. And 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 yes, I mean I have spent a huge amount of time in the boyne valley over the past 20 years a huge amount and and when ordinary people are sitting watching tv or you know they're they're doing their social thing or they're at the pub having a drink uh, half the time antony's out by the side of the road at newgrange with his head looking up at the stars you know and and there's a sense of there's it's a lovely reward for that investment. And I mean, the investment of passion and time into researching the monuments and the myths and the landscape and and spending that time there. Yeah it's lovely. I mean there's there's definitely that sense. I mean I, I I still say and I mean it from the bottom of my heart there are still days where I have to pinch myself and say is this is this real you know and like I in the in the immediate days afterwards that was very prevalent like mm. this 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 is so so
2: unreal you know <laughs> Ah, it's a great, great story. And um, it's wonderful now that you've committed it to print in this wonderful book. And I know you've worked with Liffey Press always, and they yeah. do a marvellous they job. Do. The images. Presentations. The presentations. Ah, the presentation. it's a lovely gift book. Ah, well, I was going to say that. Mm. Well, what a gift this would be. A beautiful, beautiful gift as we come towards the end of the year. Well, look, I just want to remind you again that tonight you're all welcome to the High Lanes Gallery in a Beautiful space. If you've never been there, what a night to go there. Dronehenge is the name of the book and Anthony is launching it this evening at half past seven. It's an open invitation. Now we have a copy of the book to give away. It'll be signed and all for you. And here's the question, if you'd like one of these beautiful books. There are three major passage tombs in the Boyne Valley. One is Newgrange. Another is Dowth, And the third is what I'm looking for the name of the third? So New Grange, Douth. What's the name of the third passage to a famous one in the Boyne Valley? Get your answers. Get cracking. Get them into us on WhatsApp or text 086 1800 658, and we'll pick somebody for the book before the end of the show. Couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Absolutely delighted for you. Best wishes with Thanks, the book, Sarah. and it'll be available all over. And can you get it online? Oh, yeah.
6: yeah. yeah. You can get it on my website if you want a signed copy. On yeah. Amazon, the usual, and in all the bookshops.
2: Great. MythicalIreland.com, MythicalIreland.com is Anthony's website. Check all the wonderful stuff that's there. It, it really is a credit to you, I have to say. How do you find time? The band? I don't know. The yeah. journalism? The know. books? The no. drones? I fit a lot in. Yeah, <laughs> do. Give a busy man a <laughs> task. candle. And yeah. he'll get it done for sure. Anthony Murphy, thank you so much Thanks for joining you. me thank on you. Late Lunch today. Thank you.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. The 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
2: East Coast Cookery School, we're back with Tara Walker, who this year is incorporating the flavours of the Boyne Valley into each of the features in the series. And today, Tara, it's the Tara now.
7: Today we have Boyne Valley Blue Cheese and Bon. It's Michael and Jenny Finnegan out near Slane in County Meath. And they've been producing this cheese, which is absolutely wonderful. The blue they've been producing for longer than the Bon. So I've only tasted the Bon a few times, but the blue a good few times. It's a lovely, what they would say, introductory blue cheese in that it's not too strong but at the same time it's not too mild. There is a good flavour from it. So today I'm going to make a lovely little pizza delhiere or a pizza with no tomato sauce on it using caramelised onions with some nice finely sliced potato, Boyne Valley blue cheese and a little bit of thyme. And then I'm also going to do, which I'll start with first, a little kind of salad of chicory with the blue cheese, some caramelised apple and a little bit of candied walnut. And then finally, we're just going to have a little taste of the barn on some little crostini. I have a lovely homemade fermented hot sauce and we've a little bit of tomato relish to taste.
2: So the Finnegan family, we've met them before on late lunch with their award-winning cheeses. They've picked up awards, not alone in this country, but abroad as well. So we're delighted we're using a homemade cheese today here in East Coast Cookery School. So first up today is the Chicory Boyne Valley Blue and Candied Walnut Salad.
7: Absolutely, Jerry. So first up, I'm just going to get my candied walnuts on. And this is a great little recipe to know about. Um, it can serve any type of nut, really, and it just adds an extra little bit of flavour and dimension. So you can see here, I just have a little bit of greaseproof and baking paper. And I'm just sprinkling a little bit of sugar over the walnuts. You don't need to be too precise about this. White sugar, brown sugar, any sugar will do. And then I'm also just popping, little with my teaspoon, getting little drips of water. Drips is not really the right word, but just, you know, a little um, sprinkling of water over, and then we're going to get them into the oven. And I actually made this at a class last week, so I have some nuts left over... While those are in the oven, let's have a look at the ones I made last week. You can see them here. I've just reheated them a little bit there, just to bring them back to life. And you can see they're perfectly nice to use, even though it's a little bit later on.
2: Oh, yeah, they're beautiful. So how long will you give those walnuts in the oven?
7: They need 15 to 20 minutes on a good hot oven of about 180 to 200, until they're nice and golden brown. Sometimes it takes a bit longer. But can you smell them now? They just smell delicious, Oh, they're
2: absolutely gorgeous.
7: So next up, I have an apple here. And I'm just going to caramelise that a little bit. So I have some butter going into the pan, a nice knob of butter. And when it's foaming, I'm going to just put little wedges of apple. So this is a cooking apple. Any apple really will do the job for this because you're just looking for a little bit of sharpness, really. That's the whole point. You could even use a pear for this either. It would be lovely. So just slicing little wedges of my apple. And then I can hear the butter foaming over there. So let's get them in.
2: So you have the wedges of, uh, the peeled wedges of apple there in the butter on the pan and you're going to leave them on the pan there on a high, low or medium heat? Yeah,
7: I would say medium. So once my butter was foaming there, you can hear it sizzling there a little bit. I've added a little bit of oil in to stop the butter from burning and really just for a couple of minutes on each side just to get that nice golden caramelisation. And then the last little job I have to do, Jerry, and I know we've done it on the show before, but it's funny, people seem to really enjoy seeing this at the classes, my version of a, a little French dressing. So as always, I have a little jar here. I have a clove of garlic, which I've just, I haven't chopped or anything, I've just kind of bashed it a little bit. And I'm adding some white wine vinegar, actually, sorry, cider vinegar I have today. White wine vinegar, sherry vinegar, cider vinegar are always all lovely vinegars for this job. Then I have a little bit of extra virgin olive oil and a little bit of bog standard olive oil. I know that's a bit pedantic, but I don't want the extra virgin olive oil overpowering the flavour of the dressing. And then finally... A little bit of Dijon mustard, which I just love in the dressing. And I'm going to give it a shake-up. Again, you can make a batch of this at home, leave it in the fridge. I would often have a dressing like this on the go for maybe a week. And then I can just, it's very handy, just pop a little bit over whatever I'm making for dinner. You know, whatever vegetable or a salad accompaniment I'm having. And then a pinch of salt and a little bit of black pepper. And that's our dressing done.
2: Very simple, but makes a fierce difference when you dress a salad with a lovely dressing like this.
7: Exactly. And you can taste it then, which I will do now in a second, and just make sure you're happy with the balance of flavours. You don't want too much acidity. You don't want too much oiliness. So just have... The best thing to do, just have a little taste. And I like to have a little taste with whatever little, um, you know, whatever vegetable it's going with. So I have a little bit of chicory or endive here I've just washed. Quite acidic. But in this case, I'm going to leave it alone because with the cheese... It's going to cut through it a little bit. It's going to be a nice little balance. And then we're going to have a look at the apples now. And they're just perfectly nice. Oh, they're lovely
2: and golden on the downside there in the pan, aren't they?
7: Exactly. So they're not totally softened through to the center. I don't want them to be because I don't want them to be kind of, you know, mushy. But I just want to give that bit of flavor to the outside of them. OK, so, Jerry, I've just placed a little bit of apple into each, sli- each uh, leaf of my chicory, which is also known as endive. If you can't get endive, you can use little gem. I have to say, I do really love the endive. It has a little bit more of a bitter flavour. But as I say, the little bit of little gem would be fine, too. And then I'm just going to pop a little half of my walnut, my candied walnut, into each one. So this way, you can have it nearly as a canopy. Or you can have it, you know, if they if everything fits into the little um, leaf nicely, you could have it as a canopy. I know it's a bit early to say the Christmas word, but it is a good starter at Christmas time, and because it's quite elegant and it's quite it's not too filling, but it whets the appetite, you know, and not difficult to do as you can see, but very tasty.
2: And then the final touch is the little dressing.
7: Yeah, a little drizzle of my nice French dressing that I've just made. There we go.
2: Okay, let's taste this combination here and you're confident I'm going to love it walnut and blue cheese (laughs) is generally a classic anyway here we go ah you know it's just fantastic
7: isn't
2: it Tara's mouth is full she's not going to be like me I talk with my mouth full or empty it's brilliant isn't
7: it yeah I just think it's lovely and you can see it's light but it's quite satisfying and a lovely little kind of starter to do I think or, Mm. or canopy as we're having it here
2: and I have to say in case listeners miss this That is a a goat's cheese, a blue goat's cheese.
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's Boyne Valley blue goat's cheese. Isn't it beautiful? Oh,
2: it's just the most beautiful cheese. Fair dues to Michael and Jenny Finnegan. I have to tell you, they've hit the nail on the head with this one. And I ain't surprised it's won all these awards at home and abroad. But that is a terrific starter.
7: Good. I'm glad you enjoy it.
2: Canopy starter. Say what you like. It's absolutely fabulous. So that's our chicory, Boyne Valley Blue and candied walnut and apple salad. Coming up after the break, homemade pizza with caramelised onion, potato, blue cheese and thyme. If that doesn't whet your appetite, I don't know what will. Stay with us on Late Lunch.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
2: East Coast Cookery School, Tara Walker, working with cheese today from the Boyne Valley and the Finnegan family near Slane. A beautiful blue and a bond cheese as well. Now, second dish today is a pizza.
7: It's more based on a thing called a pizzadelier, which some of your listeners may have heard about before. It's from the sort of Nice area of the south of France, which obviously is very close to Italy. So a lot of the food in that region would kind of have an Italian influence. So instead of having a base of tomato sauce, we have a base of of caramelized onions. So, Gerry, um, the first thing I want to do just to get the pizza um, started or a little pizzeria is I'm going to caramelize my onions. So I've sliced them nice and thinly here. And like I'm always talking about when we sweat off onions for a while with a pinch of salt, we're going to do the same thing here, except do it for much longer. And as I said, the pizza base has no tomato sauce on it. This beautiful, rich caramelization is what makes the base of the pizza. So I have my onions in the pan there with a little pinch of salt, um, a small amount of butter and a little bit of local rapeseed oil. And then the other thing I just want to get started on as well is my potato for this. So as I said, we're going to be very finely slicing the potato. And just to help with the mandolin, because it's hard to do it from raw, I'm just going to not even parboil the potato. I have the potato. Uh, I know it's only one potato, but a little goes a long way in this situation. In the pot here, just with some water and I'm just going to bring it up to the boil and take it off. And you can hear the onions sizzling away.
2: They are indeed sizzling away in the pan. And will you lower that heat down to give them the longer time period on the pan? Is that the idea?
7: Exactly. So once they've kind of gotten started, I'm going to just cool it down now and we'll come back to them in a few minutes.
2: How many minutes will you give those onions? Oh
7: yeah, I want to give them a good half hour. So I've got coffee for us, Jerry, <laughs> And uh, we'll come back to them when they're ready. And then for the actual pizza base, uh, I'm not going to go through the pizza base because we've done it before on the show, so I'll just talk you through it very quickly. I actually had a little bit of the pizza dough in the freezer, which is very handy, so I always make an extra batch of pizza dough if I'm making pizza, and then it's great because you have it then available. So what we do is we have 325 grams of flour, half a teaspoon of salt, half a tablespoon of sugar, a pack of uh, fast-acting yeast, which is, you know, the 7-gram pack, and then I have a tablespoon of olive oil and 175 to 200 mils of olive oil. Mix it all together and knead it for five to ten minutes. If you have a a mixer with a dough hook, you can use that. Then let it rest in an oiled bowl for about an hour. If you freeze it then, do the same. I, I took it out of the freezer a few hours ago. And I put a little bit of oil on the bowl and I let it sit at room temperature just to come back to life again.
2: So you have the dough here, floured worktop.
7: Yeah, so I just have a little bit of flour here on my hands and on the work surface. It's from the freezer, this, but just as if it were fresh. I'm just shaping it out. I never use a rolling pin for pizza dough. I think you just get a nicer, more rustic sort of shape and texture if you use your fingers. So I normally just roll it into a, a ball, like a tennis ball type thing. And then I squish it down in the ball shape onto my work surface. And then I just start pushing it out with my fingers. And of course, then you could always go with the pizzaiola. <laughs> C- can you move the microphone while I throw my pizza? I'll the move the
2: microphone. You so, did that brilliantly. They couldn't see it. I could.
7: <laughs> the kids love it. I have to mm. say we do them at birthday parties and camps and things like that. And the thing is, what I would say to you as well is, Go really thin with it because it's going to rise up in the oven again. Personally I prefer a thinner base. I'd nearly rather risk getting a little hole in my dough because I've made it so thin than have it too thick if you know what I mean. Because you can just push the hole back together. And then over here I have just a baking tray and I'm going to lightly oil it.
2: Okay, the tray is oiled.
7: So my tray is lightly oiled there just with a bit of olive oil and I'm popping the pizza dough in the bottom. Always, this is just a small tip for making pizza and I know it's stating the bleeding obvious as people say, but put the pizza base onto your baking tray before you put any toppings on it. Because if then you're trying to lift it off your work surface onto the, the baking tray, it's really dodgy, you know. Here I have my lovely caramelized onions. You can see they've gotten a lovely, rich, deep color.
2: Oh, they're beautiful. They've been on that pan there for 20 minutes to half at an least, hour. At least,
7: yeah, at least. Even you could probably give them another five or 10 minutes here now as well. So this is the base of the, the pizza rather than the tomato sauce. And next up then, the potato, which I cooked earlier, just parboiled. You can see it here. It's only just slightly softened. And we're going to just use a mandolin to get lovely thin slices of the potato. So the reason you want them so thin is because you want them to cook in the same time as the dough, which is only kind of five to ten minutes. So that's why I'm using a mandolin. It is hard to do it with a knife as thinly as you want it to be. So place those nice slices of potato on top of the caramelised onion. Then we're going to pop a little bit of thyme and, of course, our goat's cheese then, our Bourne Valley Blue goat's cheese.
2: I have to say, I'm so looking forward to tasting this, you know, because there is no tomato sauce involved no. in this pizza.
7: Yeah, I mean, like, in a way, I really should call it a pizzadeli, it's just sometimes people aren't familiar with that. It's really a, maybe, pizza bianco, you could probably call it either. So it's not really what we think of as a pizza, I suppose, in this part of the world. And then I have some nice thyme leaves that I just picked from the garden just before you arrived, Jerry, And just sprinkle those over. I just think I love the flavour of the thyme with the potato. I just think it goes really nicely. And we're just going to get it into the oven now for five to ten minutes. So
2: while we're waiting for the pizza to come from the oven, there's just a little Brucey bonus. Or should I say a Tara treat coming your way. Tell our listeners what you're up to here.
7: So, Jerry, I'm just going to do a little crostini with the Boyne Valley bone on it. So I have day-old baguette here, which I've just sliced diagonally, and I'm going to just... I've rubbed a little bit of olive oil onto it, and now I'm going to pop the bone on each slice, and we're going to pop it into the oven just for about five minutes. The goal here is just to let it kind of melt a little bit onto the crostini, and we're going to serve it up with a little bit of tomato relish and a little homemade fermented chilli sauce as well.
2: And this white cheese, like the... Uh, the blue is a semi-hard.
7: Absolutely. So it's quite soft. when you, Like it's not as hard as, you know, a Parmesan or something, but it's not a soft cheese either. So we're just popping a little bit onto each crostini here. It'll only melt a little bit. It won't ma- melt massively. It's more just to warm it through on the bread.
2: And that's it. Crostini, the oil, the cheese, nothing else, Tara.
7: Exactly. And what we'll do then is we'll top it, if you want, with a little bit of our fermented hot sauce and our tomato relish.
2: And that goes into the oven now for how long?
7: Yeah, about five minutes on mm. one eighty, just to soften the just to soften the um, cheese a little bit and warm it through, and also to crunch up the bread a little bit.
2: The crostini and the just melted bone cheese yes. has emerged from the exactly.
7: oven. I have a little bit of tomato relish here, but I also have some lovely um, fermented hot sauce from my Mexican class. Fermented foods are good for your gut health, and it gets nicer and deeper and richer the longer it's there. And I did the class about three weeks ago, so Woo. get ready for. Your sinuses to be clear, Jerry. So to make it it's very simple. You just caramelise a little bit of onion, add some chilies and garlic in, a little bit of vinegar, let it simmer for about an hour, and then switch it off and let it sit fermenting in, in its own sort of juices for another hour if you can, or longer, and then just blitz it up.
2: So which should I taste first?
7: Well, how brave are you, Jerry? I'm
2: very brave. Let's Good. go. <laughs> Let's go straight in with this fermentation. Here we go. Ah, oh, you know something. The bond cheese, that's also yours. And a little crostini. Mm. It is hot, but it's just mm. beautiful.
7: Isn't it lovely? It's so nice.
2: It's a lovely mild cheese, isn't it? it just? It's gorgeous. Mm. Okay.
7: So that's it warmed, but let's have a little taste just at room temperature, because to be honest, I just think it'd be beautiful just on a cheese board, you know?
2: Nutty, earthy. And you know what there is to it? There's a slight crumble to it in your mouth as I well, isn't there? And I
7: love that texture. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, isn't
2: it? Oh, my word. The Finnegan's have cracked it, certainly, that's for sure, with these cheeses.
7: And, you know, even, you know the candied walnuts we did earlier? Mm. If you were doing a nice cheese board, you could have a couple of the cheeses, a nice big bowl of the candied walnuts, a little bit of fruit, whether you're going to go with a a fig or a few grapes or whatever, and that would be a lovely way just to round off a meal.
2: After that little taster there, the pizza emerges from the oven. Oh, boy, am I dying to have (laughs) a go at this.
7: So, let me just cut a nice slice. It's very hot. Hope you enjoy this now. I love the caramelised onion base. So just make sure you get a slice with all elements on it.
2: You can hear the lovely crisp Mm. of the base there as you cut down into it. Yeah,
7: because I cut it nice and thinly. Or I, I, You know, I not rolled it out, but I made it nice and thin before it went into the oven. So take that now. Just mind your mouth. It's very hot.
2: It is hot. I see that all right. This is a first for me today Mm. because in my whole life, pizza has been about a tomato base. I know, I know. I have to say that that is really special the caramelized onion oh it's so mm. nice
7: isn't it beautiful we actually do this dish on our vegetarian class and everybody always really enjoys it obviously you can serve it as a main course with salad or something but again what we serve it at the class um when it's a demonstration class is like a little kind of starch or a little nibbly bit at the beginning because just you know cheese onion potato like, you know, perfect little nibble at the beginning of an evening.
2: And I must add, with her green fingers, her little addition of thyme from the yes. garden comes true in the taste it there, doesn't it? It really
7: does. It really does. Like, I w- you know, I'd be sorry now if I couldn't get. Um, fresh time for it i think it, you really need it you know but of course you can use dried
2: it's not called pizza
7: no it's pizza it's from the south of france as i mentioned earlier yeah
2: it's absolutely terrific and we must mention before we finish up again the finnegans and their cheeses
7: absolutely beautiful cheeses from slain goat's cheeses we've got a blue and we've got a bone as well big thanks to the finnegans for providing this for today um, i'm delighted to use it it's gorgeous it's a treat
2: and it is another flavour of the Boyne Valley, right on our doorstep here. Check it out and enjoy it. And Tara, thank you very much for inviting us here again today on Late Lunch. It's always a pleasure.
7: Great to see you as always, Jerry. Thanks a million. Town.
2: Yes, Tara Walker uh, there again, working her magic on some beautiful local produce. And thanks to the Finnegan family uh, from outside Slane for the wonderful cheese they provided for that feature. Now the brand new Puka Festival the Puka Halloween Festival is taking place in Draw That Boy and Trim until this Saturday the 2nd of November. Expect fiery processions, spectacular illuminations, feasting, mischief, live music and lots more. For tickets and a full list of spooky events see PukaFestival.com or PukaFestival on Facebook that's P-U-C-R Festival.com check it out. I'm a cyclist I wear the gear, I've gone to Keeping out from footpaths because cars, vans and lorries, some come so close to you, says a listener. I'll not cycle on the footpaths. I've complained to the Guardian Dundalk and Black Rock about cyclists on footpaths and cycling on the wrong side. Saw a a lady knock a man off his bicycle as she was trying to come out her gate onto the footpath. She gave him the money, of course, to uh, replace the wheel, says a listener. It's a serious problem round Black Rock outside Dundalk and on the Dublin Road. There are cycle paths there, Jerry, but they won't use them think cyclists should stay off the paths thanks for that comment, we were talking to Andy earlier on in the show about his discovery after getting back on a bike after almost 50 years how dangerous it was Um, another one has come to us there. this is lovely, Uh, over 50 years ago my cousin and I would ride our bikes up around Ravensdale and St Bridget's Shrine, also around Camlock, we set out from the old Merhivna early in the morning with our flasks of uh, coffee and RD loaf Sandwiches made by my late Aunt, God bless her, who would not see us until the late evening in summer, says Nile in Navin. We can just place ourselves back then with you. How nice that was. Thanks indeed, uh, for the comment to the show today. O eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us. And just reminding you There's a car up for grabs this Christmas. Scotch Hall Shopping Centre, draw in association with LMFM and Reynolds Fiat, are giving away a stunning Fiat 500, valued at over €18,000. Every time you spend €50 across any of Scotch Hall's 50-plus shops, you'll have the opportunity to enter the draw. Just pop your entry form into the draw drum located in Scotch Hall and stay tuned to LMFM to see if you're one of the lucky finalists. Every week from now until Christmas, LMFM will announce a weekly winner, And this week's winner is Doreen Flynn from Tully Allen County, Louth. Congratulations, Doreen. You've won a €100 Scotch Hall gift card and you're going into the grand finale card draw, which takes place on Sunday, December 22nd. Best of luck to you. News and sport on the way on late lunch at 3.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. No deposit and low APR same-day finance approval available. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk.
2: There are three major passage tombs in the Boyne Valley, Newgrange, Douth and Nowth. Nowth was the answer we were looking for, for a copy of Anthony Murphy's wonderful new book, Drone Henge, the story behind the remarkable discovery at Newgrange, being launched, just to remind you again, tonight in the Highlands Gallery in Drogheda at half past seven. Everybody, welcome. And with the answer now, the book is going to Matty Miles from RD this afternoon. Well done to you. We'll be in touch to make the arrangements, Matty. Enjoy. And don't forget, folks, that Funderland. you know, Funderland usually in the RDS at the end of the year. Well, it's in Dundalk at this very moment. It's open every day from two o'clock up until the 3rd of November, which is Sunday. And, you know, with mid-term on at the moment, if you're looking for something to do, it's a great way to keep them entertained. And for more information, check it out, funderland.com. Are yeah, you into your uh, big wheels and, you know, the hardy-gardies?
4: Yeah, I used to be. Do you know I don't I mean? know, as I get older, I'm getting to be a bit of a scaredy cat. What's
2: that? Do you ever hear of a hardy-gardy?
4: Kind of a... Uh
2: that's what they were called, the hardy-gordies. Yeah, yeah, you know all the things when a fun fair came. You used to hear people saying hardy-gordies. Did you ever hear that Are they word? like
4: the things on the flat like that twist I ho- and, I twist ho- around?
2: I, I hope so, I love them. <laughs> I love them little horses that go around <laughs> and just go around slowly. That's I think
4: you're a bit... That, now that, it. that, no, the no, place.
2: no, no. Well, I could be lifted. Yeah, I could. No, that's... That, that's a uh, pink speckled one. <laughs> They'd be saying, what's that <laughs> elflet there doing on them little things with all those children? It's only because I love them because the they lullaby. go slow and you can fall off them. That's my type of hardy-guardy. <laughs> but what about the... We are, You know the, the roller coasters Are you a roller coaster woman?
4: Yeah I used to be having one in years I remember being on a few in Euro, Euro Disney
2: Were you?
1: Mm, oh, they fantastic Oh
2: my they are something else I, 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 I've been to Florida a few times And uh, to International Drive And the parks there Oh Louise I remember going, I nearly lost Sarah one day when she was tiny in one of those big things. She was under my arm. She nearly got out, even with the belt in her on the seat. I'll never forget it. Those things just frightened the life out of me. I'm not into them at all. Are you not? Oh, no. But then I remember we went to um, one of the new parks. It only opened at the time. I think it was Islands of Adventure in Florida. And Miriam was determined. She doesn't, it wouldn't bother her. There's this thing called the Hulk, right? <laughs> and you go, you go up in the air, you go up, you go up, you shoot up fast, and then they drop you. You know what I mean? Just drop you like that. It zooms to the top, your eyes nearly come out of the sockets, and oh. then they drop you free fall down, and you see. There's a queue, you know, on these rides for single passengers. You know the way they have four or five seats and they have odd seats available because, you know, they have three or four yeah. to get in. And oh, if you're on your own, you can walk up and nearly get in. So up she went and we were on the ground. The other two were only small time looking at her.
4: and you didn't go with
2: her? I'm mad. I'm mad. She went on her own. <laughs> forget for. we, we met her staggered and out <laughs> she didn't have a drink we met her staggered and out and the eyes popping out of her head <laughs> with the G-force you know what I mean of the thing oh no no. so I'm, there's
4: a lot of people that are sick
2: uh, on them not into that at all you know but Funderland is great and it's a uh, huge tradition in Ireland I just mentioned there it was in the dock somebody just,
4: just texted in there swinging boats they were fun
2: ah uh, they were nice and easy as well the swinging boats but you know the things that go in and out and arms and come towards one another. Cyclones. Do you know those? And they, you nearly crash into somebody else. I yeah. love the bumper cars. Were you a bumper car person? I
4: was. Or they, it was kind of like a banana split. You know, they'd sit in them yes. and they'd go flying around. Yeah,
2: but the I bumpers the were great. You know, the sparks on the roof. Yeah. You know, when you'd press a button, you'd be trying to hit it and it wouldn't go and you'd crash and you'd get stuck and a fellow would have to come in and pull the bumpers apart. You used to go to Bray. They were in Bray on the promenade there. Oh, Butlins. Butlins had had the bumper cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember Finland. They had them there. I I like the simplest stuff like that, but that stuff at speed and the biggest roller coasters in the world. And of course, Tater Park beside us, haven't they? The biggest wooden roller coaster. I went over there to the opening of that. I wouldn't wouldn't... get on it. No. Oh, no. You're
4: the only one. Oh, no.
2: Good luck to you all. Yeah. Good luck to you. (laughs) I'm not having this. Anyway, that's our little uh, reminisce down memory lane of uh, fun fairs and hurdy-gurdies and things like that. Now, you've another comment in, have you, on the cycling there you wanted to we read? We have,
4: yeah, a lot of cyclists on a lot of, of reaction footpats. to this, yeah. Somebody said uh, cyclists are regularly on footpaths in Drogheda, on the Dunore Road, on West Street, and particularly around the corner of West Street to go up Peter Street. Oh, Fair play to them if they can get up. It's a street hell on the bike. of a hill
2: there to climb for sure. It's it's very hilly out of the centre of town. Uh, but it seems uh, we've had mention from R D. We've mentioned from Dundalk as well about cyclists on the footpaths. It's it is a, a a problem all over. But like, where do cyclists go? Where do they cycle?
4: I don't know. I just sorry, chair. There's just another um, another WhatsApp just mentioned yeah. there. Um, it says the extreme is the best ride. It goes upside down, twisty every way. It's unreal.
2: The extreme. The extreme. Where is that? What we is do. that in Funderland? Or is okay, it in we'll look it Sunderland? It. Or is we'll it in know. Florida? Or where is it? Maybe you'd let us we'll know look where up. that is. No thank you, whoever you are. Enjoy it yourself. Have a great time. But leave me on terra firma going round like the magic roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Myself and Florence and Zebedee just going round on the little roundabout on the ground. That'll do me just fine.
4: All out of the bed, huh? Biggest uh, yeah. scare you get, Gerry.
2: <laughs> anyway, what's coming next?
4: We're going to be Funderland. talking. <laughs> that lady has said, said oh, it. oh, it's Funderland, in Funderland. Funderland is yep. it?
2: Thank you so much for coming back to us. It is in Funderland. So go and enjoy it. It's great. It is fantastic and people have the, the, the gumption for it. I just don't have. I'm a big scaredy cat to be honest, which I hate heights. Anyways, up next on Late Lunch, there's a new group forming called the Dundalk Bay Rivers Association and we're going to hear all about it in a couple of moments
0: the late lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on no deposit and low APR same day finance approval available call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors Drada and Dundalk
4: hey Jerry, you've left an image in the mind of um, P Matthews who Whatsapped us and said laughingly yeah Jerry is a doogle on the <laughs> roundabout <laughs> <laughs> bit less, bit less fuzzy,
2: maybe. I don't have the hair, that's for sure. But I'll take Dougal any day. I'm happy with that. And, you know, I looked up hardy gurdy It's a musical instrument. But at home, they used to say if there was a fair in town or a fun fair, they called them... Are you going down to the hurdy-gurdy's tonight? I don't know what the link was, but there you have it. What
4: it's kind of a, musical instrument is it?
2: Uh, have a look at it there yourself. And <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it in a while. Anyway, let's talk to our next guest on the show. He's waiting patiently. Afternoon to Liam Woods. Hello, Liam.
8: Afternoon, Jerry, How's it going? Thanks, Thanks for it taking
2: on? it. Not at all. Delighted to talk to you because I'm curious. The Dundalk Bay Rivers Association. Liam, tell us what's it all about?
8: Okay, so um, the River Association, I'll just explain it first a bit. Basically, it's a voluntary organisation, Okay, and for the Dundalk Bay area we're going to be concerned with uh, Dundalk Bay and its coastline, and then there's, there's also six main rivers that flow into the bay, so it'll go up as far as I suppose, the Cooley Peninsula. There's a big river, and the Flurry River up there, and then down into Dundalk, obviously, there's a Castletown River just north of the town. Um, then we've got the Fane, which flows into uh, Blackrock there. And then there's the B and the Clyde, which flows into the, uh, into the Bay of and So, oh, you know, we're, we're, the, the association is chiefly concerned with these rivers and the coastline that they flow into. And, and just, uh, you know, we want to m- make sure um, that they stay, I suppose, that they don't degrade o- over time. Because one of the things we're seeing is from environmental uh, Protection uh, agency. We're seeing that our rivers are degrading. Every report that they bring out, gradually, gradually, our rivers—they're just—they're losing their quality. And I suppose the, the goal of the association is just to kind of claw back some of the some of the gains and get our water quality back up to where it should. Um, one of the one of the big losses actually is actually it's the big river in the, in the Coudyvent layer. That was actually a pristine river, It's one of the highest uh, water quality rivers you can get, and it lost its status there in the last in the last round that the EPA brought out in, in 2017 so it's the likes of these these pristine waterways that we have to we have to maintain them and we have to and bring them back as well bring them back to what they were
2: Now you coming from a, an angling perspective and I understand that well myself and water quality is just a major issue for all of us yes. Um who are you looking to take part in this? Right, anglers are one users of the waterways, but of course these yeah. rivers flow through farmlands, farmers are involved there, there's water extraction okay. going on, there's, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. Who do you want on, involved in this association?
8: So it's basically as many people, the, the more diversity we have, the better. I okay. uh, You know, anglers are, are very, you know, they're on the river a lot, yeah. a lot of interest in waterways. But, you know, we, we, we don't, want, obviously, we want anglers, but we want, we want a good diversity of people. Anybody has an interest in water quality, rivers, lakes, the bay. It's really to kind of get a broad spectrum and ha- have a lot of skills and experience from, from its members, you know. So then we can, we can draw on, like, everybody can bring something to the table and, suppose, you know, have a, have a greater impact and maybe a larger voice. For you know, for highlighting issues and concerns. Okay. that We might have you
2: know. Okay, I hear what you're saying. So this association has a broad remit. All stakeholders, anybody who has an interest in the river and the waterway is welcome to come along. So and you're I mean, brand new. This is a new group. Your inaugural meeting is happening when and where? Uh,
8: so it's it's totally in its infancy. It kind of just kicked off in the last few weeks. Um, the first meeting we're taking place it's in Carrick Macross and it's in the workhouse there in Carrick Macross uh, it's going to be on November 9th and it's starting at 10am it shouldn't go on for too long uh, there's some refreshments there and you had to keep people uh, keep proceeding. Uh, but it's mainly just to get get some people this will be the first one and probably hold another in Dundalk as well to get some people involved and a lot of people might have questions even concerns you know want to know more want to know about the direction where, where the association wants to go And uh, it'll be you know want to get people involved and just answer some of those questions. Mm. Uh,
2: And And you lobby? Will you? Is that the idea to keep this in focus and uh, and lobby on behalf of the rivers and the waterways and the bay with the likes of the EPA, with government, with what? Yeah.
8: Well, yeah, that would be one of the goals. It it would be to be highlighting issues that we would have concerns about, and you know, lobbying would be part of that. Definitely. I mean. That definitely, DPA does, does look after waterways in terms of protecting the quality of it. But um, you know, we, we definitely will be loving to, to make sure that the testing that is, is adequate, and we're getting enough reports, and we know what's going on. Definitely.
2: Mm. So uh, th- there hasn't been a, an umbrella group like this before. This is a, a first of its kind. Uh,
8: it it would be in the area, yeah. 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 I mean, it's. I mean, there's a nationally there's some uh, a lot of interest now in river river trusts and. Again, it's kind of similar to an association, but uh, it's just, it's, yes, yeah, it's picking an area, a wide catchment area of, of several rivers, or even it could be one large river, and just focusing on it because, you know, a river, if you see where it runs into the sea, it's, it's had a massive journey. If you think about it, like the likes of, say, the Dean, the de Glide, I mean, they go the whole way when they split. I mean, they go to Kings Court,
5: Drummond,
8: uh, Macross, and same to same, the same goes the whole way up into Castle Blaine, into, into South Armagh. So, it's a massive system. That's why it's so important to have a good membership, a good and a good uh, scope of people from all the different areas. because you know, eyes, eyes and ears in the rivers, and and they just feeding back information about areas that we can combat and, and look at and look at concerns.
2: Yeah, great stuff. I, I admire what you're doing. I like it, and I just wanted to bring it to the public's attention today. The meeting is in Cross the Workhouse, Saturday, the ninth of, uh, of November. Saturday, yeah. the 9th of November. That Saturday week for from 10am, 10am on the Saturday morning for an hour or so. From source to sea and beyond, I wish you well, Liam. That's
8: that's it, Terry. Great cheer. Thanks very much. Thanks indeed. Thanks
2: for joining me on the show. Do appreciate it. That's Liam Woods there, an angler, talking to me about the Dundalk Bay Rivers Association. And it's a fine initiative. I welcome it. And anything that can focus us more on water and water quality and all that provides for all of us, is a great idea. That's our lot on Late Lunch for this afternoon. We're going to leave you in the company of the wonderful Brian Adams. You come back to us, but we leave you today running to you. See you tomorrow. Half
0: one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
5: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.